Hey everyone, you've heard the rumors, and I'm here to confirm they're true. My new young adult novel, Malraux and the Midnight Organ Fight, is out now. It's about murder, and it's for teenagers. It's a book about two teenage detectives trying to solve a series of murders one summer in San Francisco. It's basically Sherlock Holmes meets Rick and Morty. It's super fast, it's fun, it's dark, and there's karate. What more could you want? Romance? There's romance. Suspense? There's suspense. Sex? Well, there's no sex. There's, well, no, there isn't. Well, no, there's, there's actually not. Although, no, no sex. Intimation of sex, but no sex. Um, kind of like all of our lives in the pandemic. Get it at your local indie bookseller. Don't go the Amazon drone route. They don't need your money. Uh, but your local indie bookseller, they do. So give it to them. And if you want me to sign it, send it to me, and I'll sign it, and I'll send it back. And maybe I'll throw something else in the package. You like protein powder? All right, I'll hook you up. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Look around! We're doing things! Crying eyes! Watching me! Data vultures! Running gold! Telling you to bring us to the road! Future shock! Cataclysm! Tech world! Empty vision! Future shock! That is the music of Classics of Love, which features my guest today on the program, Jesse Michaels. Let me tell you a little bit about Classics of Love and Jesse Michaels. So, Jesse Michaels is perhaps best known as the singer of the Berkeley punk band Operation Ivy. Although they were around for just a couple of years, they remain one of the most influential punk bands of all time. After the band's dissolution, Michaels played in Big Rig, put out two fabulous albums with Common Rider, and then formed Classics of Love in 2008. Classics of Love put out an EP and then a full length in 2012, but they've been pretty quiet until now. The band's new EP, World of Burning Hate, is the exact shot of sonic momentum you need right now in this very uncertain and troubled time. A searing and ferocious blast of feral punk rock The five songs on World of Burning Hate are filled with momentum and heart. It's an exhilarating listen. Now, I've known Jesse since I was 21, and not only is he one of my dearest friends that I talk to all the time, he's one of the funniest, smartest, and greatest people I've ever known. And it's very cool to have him on the podcast. So, enjoy my chat with my good pal Jesse Michaels right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. talk all the time and i i know that there was talk of sort of a goth project and i wasn't sure at first if you were if you were uh, joking with me but it seemed like you were really doing that and then suddenly that was gone and there was this so what like tell me tell me what was going on well there was this type of music in the early 80s that was a forerunner to goth called death death rock and this music was characterized by bands like 45 grave and um, Christian Death, and there was a whole, actually a lot of bands, before people even called it goth. 
and it was more punk. It was like spooky punk. It was like horror punk. Um, and eventually it kind of morphed into goth. Um, but anyway, I like some of those old bands, those death rock bands. So we were going to do this spooky, me and a couple friends were going to get together and do this spooky death rock project. And we started doing it. And then the virus hit. And a lot of people didn't want to jam after that um, because it's when everybody was scared. Um, now everybody just sort of doesn't care but like the, if they die or not. Back then, they, they, everybody was trying to avoid it. So that got canceled. And then, uh, you know, but I did have some friends. So I got this idea for a new thing, project. And by project, I just mean recording a couple songs. And, uh, and for the new project, which was more punk rock, hardcore type music, I found some people who could get together. So that's what I did. So basically, the project came together because the people who were willing to participate uh, basically didn't care about, uh, you know, any kind of like virus restrictions. Yes. It turns out the death rock people were not into literal death rock, only <laughs> figurative death rock. They were interested in playing death rock, but they, they didn't want to actually participate in having their own death occur while rocking. That's right. So you would think the spooky side of things that they would have been more into it. But you know, that's how it always is. If you meet a famous chef and you go over to his house and say, oh, what are we having for dinner? It's gonna be like McDonald's and Doritos <laughs> and a Coke or not even a Coke, like a, a Fanta. Yeah, and if you ask him for some salsa, he'll say, what are you, some kind of snob? <laughs> I always figure if you went over to like, if you went it's to- It's a very, Peter very unfunny bit. No, I love it. If you went to Peter Murphy's house, I was convinced that he would like have a hat on backwards and he'd be watching SportsCenter. I think that's true, except I don't know who Peter Murphy is. He's the singer of Bauhaus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, like you knock on his door and he's like, what's up, brah? He's also not English in this particular scenario. In your version, he sounds sort of Australian? Yeah, it's, I was trying to do a California, but as a native Californian, suddenly I can't do a California accent. But I'm like, did you feel disappointed that that project didn't happen? Like, where were you with it? Um, we had everything written and we were closing in on recording, but it's fine, whatever. I mean, we'll come back to it eventually. I, I have recordings of the song so we can remember them. The magic of this podcast is I want to talk to you about the music that isn't coming out. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I want to talk about... That's a good idea for a podcast. What didn't so? happen? What didn't happen? <laughs> not what did happen, not what... You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, you rebounded rather quickly, and then suddenly this project came together. Did it... Is it my perception correct that it came together so quickly? Uh, well, in a way, I guess. I mean, we took two or three months from start to finish. I would say... I'm thinking it was like three months from start to finish. Let's see, what, what month is it? Now it's now August, August, so yeah. July. Yeah, I guess it was about three months from start to finish, maybe a little, uh, maybe two and a half months, which is actually pretty quick to write and record, write, practice, and record, you know, five songs. But the thing is, you know, um, what's the word? Relatively speaking, it was sort of slow 
because I did it. I thought we were going to knock it out in a weekend. You know what I mean? But then I remembered while we were playing that music is actually hard. So it took longer. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the last time you put something out. I don't know. A long time ago. Yeah. Classics it, of Love. Yeah. The EP. Oh, was yeah. Yeah. Different band. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I was in a band called Classics of Love with these guys who played in the band, The Hard Girls. We played punk music. And we had that band for two years. And the last thing I put out was with them. It was the album with them, you know, probably eight years ago or something like that. Right. This new band is also called Classics of Love, but the guys from the old band just let me keep using the name. So you had to actually ask to see if that was okay? Yeah, I mean, yes. And it's, I mean, it was your name, right? You created it? I created that name and it's very personal to me because I actually, this is gonna sound corny, but I actually had a dream where I heard this song. It was like a reggae song. The song was called Classics of Love. So that's where I got that phrase. And so it's very, you know, it's very personal to me. I'm getting old. I don't have time to come up with band names. It's almost over for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let me use my name. <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever told you this. As you know, I have a poem called Stereo Embers, right? I know that. Great poem. Thank you. And this guy that I know, who I've known for a really long time up in Seattle, who's a really great singer-songwriter named Rob Benson. He's a really, really sweet guy, great singer. He's been in like 10 different bands. And he told me, he said, oh, I'm putting a, a band together. I want to go through some of your poems and see if I could like find a name. Anyway, and he, so Stereo Embers emerged for him as a possible name for his band. Uh -huh. And I was like, yeah, take it. It's great. I love that. And he signed to Mike McCready's label from Pearl Jam. And there was even a moment where, so the band is called Stereo Embers. They were on, Mike McCready from Pearl Jam was on Colbert and Pearl Jam was playing and he was wearing a Stereo Embers shirt. And I thought, that's pretty cool. That's my name and that's awesome. And then when I came up with the idea for uh, the podcast, I wanted to call it Stereo Embers, the podcast, because obviously it's, anyway. So I had to call this guy and ask him if it was okay that I used the name that I came up with, that I'd given to him for the podcast. Well, that's how it is. <laughs> I covered way too much real estate in that story, but. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just glad you didn't go on and on about how great this guy Rod Benson was or whatever. <laughs> I almost did. Let me tell you about this guy Rod Benson. He's got 10 <laughs> albums, fantastic songwriter. Uh, this yeah. is my episode. Yeah, I know. I know. I <laughs> want to talk about Rob Benson. <laughs> I know. I just can relate to what you went through with Classics of Love, but I didn't really even need to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, on my end, I didn't really go through anything, so I guess for even. But why is my story longer than yours? <laughs> I don't know. All right, so... Um, when you got this thing together and you chose these people, how did you find the people to be in the band? I knew this guy, Sharif, great guy, incredible musician. He plays, he's played with all sorts of people, but <clears throat> most recently, um, Alice Bag, who's an LA punk legend, um, who was in the decline of Western civilization and just very famous LA figure. And he has a psych band, kind of a, um, 
what do you call like a paisley underground style band called yeah. uh exploding flowers very good band he's a great songwriter anyway um i know him he was into it and he loves punk so he was down and then i just found a drummer like through social media for you vocally what was how did it change from what you were doing with the spooky stuff to this like was that a hard switch um kind of i mean this is more just screaming my head off and the spooky stuff was more singy so in a way this was easier uh i'm not technically i say this without false modesty i mean this is just a fact i am not technically a great <laughs> a great singer you know what i mean like if you have a scale of like you know like freddie mercury on one end and somebody just singing in the shower on the other i would be sort of like at a four on that scale maybe maybe a little higher i have, I have decent pitch so anyway um it's you know to sing kind of elaborate melodic parts is challenging i can pull it off but um this this thing is more just kind of screaming my fucking head off which i'm actually turns out pretty good at <laughs> so is rob benson did i ever tell you that <laughs> no, no it actually <laughs> the um i was telling you before the ep is fabulous and like it's one of those things it sounds like a really dorky thing to say but it's a really kind of a shitty time out now and i felt like this is a real shot in the arm like i i needed this ep and i didn't know i needed it i didn't grow up listening to this kind of music you were telling me it's very specific and i love it i just love it well thank you in terms of the response were you like when you put stuff out do you are you a little bit nervous about what the response will be or do you can you get yourself sort of past that expectation um I would say I've done enough that I pretty much know what the response is going to be. And in this case, I was pleasantly uh, surprised. They're not surprised, but the opposite of disappointed. There should be a word for that. I was appointed uh, <laughs> because it was, you know, I kind of have a built-in group of people after playing music for 500 years that dig my stuff. But this was people were really into it and they they kind of echoed what you said which is like this is i need this right now so you know i feel like uh when that happens i feel like i'm doing my job um and that's the goal who are the bands that this is in the style of like who are the classic bands that this is sort of in that same pocket i mean negative approach the fix Jerry's Kids, Minor Threat, without claiming to be, you know, as good as those bands. Kind of in that style, 80s hardcore. And then there's one song, there's a slower song at the end of the EP, which is more, um, I don't know what it is. It's sort of a modern type of hardcore music that's a little bit slower that might be characterized by bands like Hoax, and another band from Canada called Shit, which I know is a ridiculous name, S-H-I-T. Great band. Uh, I, it's not derivative of bands like that, but it's sort of more in that style, grinding, dark, uh, almost uh, maybe influenced by, by Japanese hardcore. So you grew up listening to those bands, right? Like the, when you were a teenager, you loved that stuff. Yes, that was my favorite. 
and but yet it took all this time to sort of get to a place where you could do something along these lines like this this aggressively um yeah and i don't even know why i mean i i kind of wish i had done this 20 years ago you know what i mean right but for some reason 20 years ago i you know i don't know why i waited till now to do this or wasn't inspired to do this before like, i tend to do things late you know what i mean yeah I do like too. i just heard the nirvana record never mind two weeks ago <laughs> i cat. you know what i mean i catch up late i guess the thing is like the big regret is like these things came the album comes out the ep comes out and then you realize you can't you can't do anything with it in a live setting does that like how do you feel about that knowing you can't do it does it make you want to do it even more uh no i don't really care really yeah you know I like playing live, but I don't care. I got other stuff to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What am I? I <laughs> what is playing live? You get the guys together, you go to the practice pad, you know, you slap all the, I'm sounding like Larry David now, but <laughs> you slap all the stuff to the club and you sit around in a dark room and then, you know, 80 people show up and they are sort of into it and then you go home it's like kind of a pain in the ass yeah i mean you've just that's a little bit cynical i mean who knows <laughs> every once in a while something magical happens you know <laughs> but basically it's not the it's it's you know <laughs> i'm just i'm digging myself deeper and deeper into a hole i love playing live <laughs> <laughs> It's it's the bleakest description of a live performance I've ever heard. I know it sounded like a, like no exit. Yeah, like you're trapped in a room with humans, <laughs> staring into each other's faces. You know that it'll never really end. I think that the saddest part for me was there's 80 people there and they're kind of into it. <laughs> well, what I was thinking is like probably 40 are really into it, 20 are neutral, and 20 don't give a shit. So if you sort of average them, I'd say they're all pretty into it. If you ever watched me approach a mosh pit, the, the closest I ever came to a mosh pit was standing outside the building where one was happening inside. I couldn't, I'm such, I've always been terrified of physical contact. Um, when, you were, when you were growing up, did you have no problem jumping in the mosh pit? I was always jumping into the mosh pit. Like fearlessly? Yeah. I love the mosh pit. But, you know, it was pretty safe. People were pretty nice. It wasn't I, actually very violent. I always thought, like, someone's going to get their tooth knocked out. Someone's going to break a nose. Yeah. It was more like, you know, at a wedding when they throw the, um, the garter belt? Yeah. It was more like that. Oh. That's a, maybe I should have gone in. I would be like, maybe you'd be married if you did. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> maybe you'd be married to a nice skinhead named Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I think I should have definitely approached the mosh pit. I was always terrified. Um, and the, you know, and the mosh pits I was at were at Camper Van Beethoven shows. They weren't really <laughs> punk shows. <laughs> Is that the one that did take the skinheads bowling? Yeah. And then they turned into... Um, uh that song cracker. stoned oh cracker cracker right yeah oh no not stoned low 
low. Yeah, which is, you know, I always found that song very boring. Well, um, I mean, all I have to say about that is good for them because, yeah. you know what I mean? Do you want to be a veteran of like, you know, the Feelies or Cracker? Because Cracker, um, you know, they actually will, you have to make a living in this world and Cracker did fairly well. Cracker did really well, actually. Um, yeah. They did. Um, I think that the thing... Nothing against the feelies, by the way. No, but the feelies, I mean, I don't think the feelies are, are getting checks in the mail, you know, for right royalty is the way Cracker probably are. I don't even know if that's true. Maybe the... Yeah, who knows? I have no idea. Maybe the feelies have made a mint on like, you know, Wes Anderson movies or something. Exactly. That's something I don't know anything about. Um, so was this always going to be an EP or did you start to think maybe I'll stretch it into an album or will there be an album? Well, I would like to make an album and I'm looking into that now, but for this record, it was sort of fated to be an EP by the circumstances. This wasn't a setup where we could do it for a year. It was a setup like we could do it for a couple months. We're using a room that was shared with someone else. You know, we had to move the drums in and out every time. Um, and so on and so forth. The guy, one, the, one of the guys who played with us has a job that he, you know, scheduling wasn't easy. So it, this was definitely fated to be a shorter thing. But now I'm looking into doing a longer thing because people seem to like it and it felt good and it worked. And, you know, I was joking about the live stuff, and, and I, but really, I don't mean to sound cynical. It was very fun, and it felt like it was scratching an itch that, um, that needed to be scratched. You and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I said, well, if you do an album, you know, you would have all new songs. And you said, yeah, I'll just write more. And I liked the confidence. I'm like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just write more songs. Um, well, this, this type of material is pretty natural for me. It's easy. So there's no like anxiety about, you know, how do I, how do I construct this? Like it's really, um, it's like it pretty easy. I mean, the thing is, I, you know, I, again, I don't mean to sound cynical or anything like that because I'm really not, but I've reached a point in life where say I wrote eight songs and they suck. Well, then I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not right. the end of the world. But the thing is, this type of music, you write, basically you go in, you write um, five songs, three of them are good, you work with those, you come back, you write two more, one of those is good. So basically, there's plenty of time to do an editing process. Yeah, and I think that you, that obviously you find yourself sort of like in the pocket where you go, well, I know what I'm trying to do. So, well, yeah, I, I and I, it's something I'm very familiar with. I already have a million riffs on tape, and it's not like you're writing like Uriah Heap songs, you know what I mean? Yeah, where every song's like 18 minutes and it has 52 parts, and you have to practice for a month to be able to play the leads. So, all the songs are under two minutes. So, it's like even if you kind of get a dud, you can just go in there and, and do another one. Did you play any guitar on the on the EP? I played one lead. I played during practice, I play, but I'm not a good guitarist, so it's just better. It's way easier and faster if the other guy plays everything. Are you practicing guitar? Like, are, are you someone who, like, picks the guitar up on a regular basis just for fun, or, do you, or are there years that go by where you don't touch it? Well, I'm someone who uses the guitar strictly to write songs, 
And I'm also someone, one of those people who no matter how much I play the guitar, I never get any better. So, <laughs> so basically, I, I am sort of consigned to this very utilitarian use of the guitar where I use it to create songs. And I can even create leads and stuff that are, you know, not fancy, but, but serviceable leads. But beyond that, you know, I, I'm, I can't play and sing at the same time. I probably would never play a guitar in a band unless it was a very kind of garagey thing. How did you get your voice in shape? Because this is a pretty physical performance. Um, how did you how did you do it, and what was the recovery like? Um, well, basically, I'm screaming my fucking head off. <laughs> I just go in the car and I do, you know, people do vocal warm ups. I just do like the same thing, but screaming till it's sort of broken in. I record one song a day, and then the recovery after two days, it's it's better. When you when you record, so the like, the next day and maybe the day after that, it's it's hoarse. Uh, you know, it's funny. Even with the screaming stuff, um, it y y after you do it for a week or two, your voice gets stronger and you're more able to do it. In terms of like other bands that are doing this stuff, I remember when we were growing up in the '80s. I'd walk into like Rasputin's Records in Pleasant Hill, and there'd be like you know 25 punk albums when you walk in. And they'd have, all have like depictions of Reagan's face in various stages of like decomposition or explosion. Um, uh -huh. And it felt like punk rock was really responding to what was happening politically. Are, are you in touch with like the scene right now? Do you pay attention to young bands? And do you think that same kind of activism or political awareness is happening now? I mean, it, it's sort of, that's sort of a complex question. So now I would say there, there are probably at least 100 times as many bands as there were before. So, I mean, literally, for every punk band in 1986, there are 100 now, you know, currently playing. So basically the answer to any question about punk music, is this happening or is this happening? You know, is math rock happening? Is anarcho-punk happening? Is, um, you know, like, nihilist, Gigi Allen type punk happening. The answer to any question is yes. You know, and then I think art tends to reflect the larger culture. So some of the themes you see in larger culture, like the whole um, cancel culture thing and rules of conduct and the kind of left-leaning pervasive um, social shift, that's happened in punk too, where it's, it's much stricter. You, there's certain things you can't say. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's just a lot more of it. A lot of the bands are better. You know, a lot of the hardcore bands are incredibly good. So there's just a lot more of everything. And I'm not deeply in touch with it. I'm just an observer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like, I like punk, but, you know, I, I, I have a different kind of energy. I'm not, I don't need something that's blasting my adrenaline every day. I'm not a kid. And there, I still probably love hardcore music the best but it's not something i listen to every day i don't really feel like going to gigs most of the time so i'm i'm more of an observer but i do kind of keep keep one finger on it i do like to sort of stay in touch with what's going on not not to be cool or anything like that but just because i'm interested are there um days that go by like or even like weeks that go by where you haven't listened to music because i find sometimes that i do like four or five days go by 
and I haven't listened to anything at all, which is unheard of 20 years ago. I listen to a lot of music because I'm addicted to online chess, and I like to listen to music while I'm playing chess. But if I didn't play online chess, that would be the case. What kind of music can you listen to while playing chess that won't mess up your concentration? I like to listen to prog rock. And that doesn't get in the way of, your, of the way you concentrate, the way you think. Yeah, it's just background. I used to put like any kind of like weird, obscure British band on when I was writing, when I was, when I was younger. And I can't do it anymore. And now it's sort of like it's, it's kind of interruptive. Yeah, when you get older, music hurts. <laughs> it's a sign that death is coming. Well, listen, I, <laughs> I, um, I hope the death project, by the way, happens. Well, it will. It will, it will happen for all of us, Alex. <laughs> Not that death project. The musical one. Uh, yeah, I think it will. I think okay. it will. Um, I think Rob Benson's working on a death rock project right now, from what I understand. Um, <laughs> the, God, God damn it. He's gonna <laughs> he always gets there first. Yeah. Rob Benson. Rob Benson. <laughs> well, as I said, I, I think this is a shot of adrenaline that, uh, frankly, 2020 has been a, a very tough year. And to have like this kind of musical momentum um, come out of, from out of nowhere is um, is much needed, and I think it's a marvelous, marvelous piece of work. So congratulations! Well, thank you very much. Yeah, and thanks for coming on the show. And we'll, uh, you of course, you'll come back. I'm ready. Okay, good. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. So great to have Jesse on the show. We'll bring him back, and uh, and we'll talk more with him. In the meantime, go get Classics of Love's new EP, World of Burning Hate. Go to classicsoflove.bandcamp.com and hook yourself up and tell all your friends. As for me, well, you can go to alexgreenonline.com to find out what's going on in my life. Uh, although if you listen to this show, you find that I talk about it incessantly. You can find me on Twitter at Embers Editor or follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Who do you want me to bring back to the show? Who do you want me to get? Let me know and I will track them down. I always say that and I don't mean for it to, but it sounds so menacing. Oh, I'll track them down. I'll find out where they live and I will make them talk into a microphone. Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, leave us a rating, tell all your friends, and tell them to tell their friends, and uh, everyone will win. Let's close the show with a full listen to Future Shock from Classics of Love's World of Burning Hate EP. Enjoy it. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers the Podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Look around! We're doing things! Running out!